A few years ago, um, a church in America was celebrating its, um, its 33rd anniversary. Next year, um, at Plymouth Christian Center, we'll be celebrating 100 years of our church. It's our centenary year next year, but they were celebrating their 33rd year, and a mum and her little boy came up to the pastor at the end of the service, and um, in front of his mother, this little boy was as sweet as apple pie, and butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. But as soon as his mum was distracted and turned away, he scrunched up his face and he whispered to the pastor, Jesus was 33 years old and they killed him. <laughs> and the pastor, taken slightly aback, no doubt, by this sweet little boy, made sure the mum wasn't looking before answering him less than a loving pastoral turn, yes. But then Jesus came back to life and he came after people like you. <laughs> Perhaps not the finest moment as a pastor, but we've all been there. <laughs> Jesus came back to life. He was resurrected from the dead. This is the core claim of Christianity. This is the central tenet of the Christian faith. This is the meaning of Easter. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament in the Bible, writes there that if there is no resurrection, we are done for. <laughs> We're wasting our time. Our preaching, our faith, our Christianity is fundamentally flawed. We might as well go home now and eat hot cross buns if there is no resurrection. If Christ has not been raised, says Paul, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. As New York pastor Tim Keller says, if Jesus rose from the dead... You have to accept everything he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything he said? If Jesus rose from the dead, he changes everything. Jesus is risen. That's what we proclaim today. But what does that mean for us? What is the ultimate significance of him coming back from the dead? I've got two kind of thoughts this morning. The first thought is this, is that the resurrection shows us the ultimate power of God. It shows us how powerful God truly is, that Jesus is Lord. That's what we've been singing, Lord as in the one over all of the universe, Lord as in the one raised from the dead, Lord as in the all-powerful one, the Son of God. The, the resurrection proclaims the power of God. Paul writes, for to this end Christ died and he lived again that, the, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and the living. His death and his resurrection shows that he is Lord. And Paul was in no doubt as to the power and the lordship and the divinity of Jesus, that Jesus was God, the very Son of God. As he states at the start of his letter to the Romans, he says, Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
the resurrection shows us the power of God. As a child, I used to listen to the older folks in our church singing, He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead. And He is Lord. And we've just sung it. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The empty tomb demonstrated it. The angels proclaimed it. The women exclaimed it. The apostles went on to spend the rest of their lives explaining it and living and dying for it. But what is the power of the resurrection? How does the the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, how does this demonstrate the power, the ultimate power of God? I think three things that I want to draw out is that the resurrection of Jesus shows that Satan is defeated. The devil who is real is defeated. It shows that our sins, our wrongdoings can be forgiven. And it shows that death is destroyed. Satan is defeated. On Good Friday, the devil, a mere angel who would be king, smelled victory. Christ was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was sentenced. He was condemned. He was beaten and he was crucified. And the source of all life suffered death. Stripped naked and caked in his own blood, he was laid lifeless in a stone-cold tomb. But Friday is not the end of the week. And this was not the end of the story. And Jesus had declared in Mark and throughout the Gospels and throughout his life on this earth, Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 10, they will give me over to death, but I will rise again on the third day. He says, I will rise again on the third day. I will rise again on the third day. And Mark is one of the most succinct of the gospel writers, and yet he, he highlights that Jesus is saying over and over again, I will rise again. And Sunday comes, and as we sing up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph for all his foes. Halfway through the Battle of um, Waterloo, Napoleon thought that his French armies had victory in their sights. And he even sent a message to Paris for the newspapers that he had won the day. It was premature. Four hours later, Wellington's British, having been bolstered by the arrivals of the Prussian forces, had taken the day and Napoleon had fled the field. Similarly, on Good Friday, the devil sent the message to his demons, victory. But it was premature. Easter Sunday was just around the corner. Jesus would shatter the bonds of death. He would throw off the grave clothes. He would kick away the tombstone. And he would step out into victory. Satan is defeated. And the cross and the resurrection of Jesus shows that Jesus is Lord. And he has power over every principality and every power on earth and under the earth and over the earth. The resurrection shows the power of God to defeat evil. But it also shows the power of God to forgive sins. We have this expressed in the negative and in the positive in the Bible. In the negative, if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins if Christ has not been raised. In the positive, he was handed over to die because of our sins. 
and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Jesus rising from the dead was God's declaration and God's demonstration that we are forgiven, that Jesus' sacrifice was accepted. It was enough that the justice of God was satisfied, that the punishment was taken, and that price was paid. If he had stayed in the grave, if death and sin would not have been defeated, but he didn't, he did not stay in the grave. He rose again, and we, those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, are made right with God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds us, as he writes to the Romans, if you openly confess and declare that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Satan is defeated, the power of the resurrection. Sins are forgiven as we turn our faith towards God and Jesus Christ. And ultimately, death is destroyed. There's something very powerful about a Christian funeral. In front of the coffin, we will often read the words, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. This is the great promise of the gospel. It's the great outcome of the resurrection of Jesus. He has defeated and destroyed death. And he is the first. We get to follow him into resurrection life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is our hope if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the defeat of death, the hope of eternal life. But we must get the balance right here. Death is so ugly. Death is so shocking to us. And our task is to hold these truths together, to insist that the resurrection defeated death without denying its dreadful reality. We must give space for grief and give voice to hope. We had a lovely neighbor, I've mentioned her before, her name was Pat. And Pat had lived in the house next to ours for much of her life, in fact, for her whole life. And before her, her parents had lived in the house. And she knew everything about our neighborhood and she was full of stories and history. And she would chat to us over the wall and she would sit in her garden with a glass of wine and a cheese platter and a crossword listening to Radio 4 as she filled in the gaps. And she played secret agents with our children when they were small, secreting secret rolled up messages and sticking them in the cracks of the old stone wall. And she brought chocolate eggs around for the kids at Easter and little presents at Christmas. She was well-educated and she was well-spoken and she listened with great attention, furrowed brow and nodding of the head to our children's ramblings about Lego and Peppa Pig. And when she was diagnosed with cancer, she remained stalwart, old school, still kind and considerate in the midst of her suffering. Then one day, ambulance and police cars turned up in front of her house and more ominously, a black coroner's van. And it was a cold winter's day and it was snowing. 
And I noticed the black dress of the coroner against the white backdrop of the snow as they wheeled Pat's body down the path. And I felt my throat tightening and tears welling as we closed the curtains so our children wouldn't see. And even though we knew Pat was old and even though we knew she had cancer, we were shocked. We were shocked to the core because death always shocks us. It is so wrong. It is so abhorrent. It was not meant to be like this. And the Bible calls death our enemy. The Bible says that we were made to live forever. That we have eternity in our hearts. Shakespeare writes of our immortal longings. And from the very beginning, the Bible tells us we were made to live in God's presence. We were made to be in perfect relationship with him. We were made to live forever. And the Easter story, the passion, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, it deals with our sin sickness and it deals with our destiny with death. And Paul summed it up in the book of Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I read an article in the U.S. magazine, The Atlantic, this week. And it was written by Tim Keller, that pastor I mentioned, who was a pastor for many years in New York. He's a pastor of many years' experience, over 40 years' experience. And he writes in this article for The Atlantic magazine how he was fully familiar with death. He'd sat by many deathbed. He had seen people breathe their last breath. Death was not unfamiliar to him. And in fact, he wrote a little pamphlet called On Death. A month after that booklet was published, he wrote that he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he said in this article, now theoretical ideas about God's love and the future resurrection had to become life-gripping truths for me. Or they had to be discarded as useless. Before cancer, the resurrection had been mostly a theoretical issue for me, but not now. My imagination became more able to visualize the resurrection and rest my heart in it. Most particularly for me as a Christian, Jesus' costly love and death and resurrection had become not just something I believed in and filed away, but a hope that sustained me every day. We sing these songs, one final breath he gave. As heaven looked away, the Son of God was laid in darkness, a battle in the grave, the war on death was waged. The power of hell forever broken. The ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. His perfect love could not be overcome. Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. You see, the resurrection shows us the very power of God over sin. And by rising again, it gives us the opportunity to be made right with God over death, because death is ultimately defeated as Christ rises from the dead and is the first of many, the first fruits. 
It shows us the power of God, the resurrection of Jesus Christ over sin and death and Satan. But secondly, what the resurrection does is it shows us the ability and the power of God to change our lives, to transform us. This is personal to you and to me. What I said at the beginning of my message today was if these words are not true, if the resurrection did not happen, you are wasting your time being here. Maybe you only come to church at Easter and Christmas. And maybe you like the songs and the sense of occasion. But you and I and we, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, what we are doing today is a waste of time. And we, the Apostle Paul has said, we're to be pitied if Jesus did not rise from the dead. But as I said, if he did rise from the dead, it changes everything. It calls for a response. If you are a rational human being, you cannot acknowledge that Jesus rose from the dead and is alive today without it somehow changing your life. And that is the second part of my message this morning, is that this power, this power to overcome sin and Satan and death is a power that can change and transform your life. A lot of the words that I've quoted today from the Bible are from the Apostle Paul. Now you need to know about the Apostle Paul that he was a sworn enemy of Christianity. He hated the way, as it was called. He hated Christians. He was a religious man of a religious upbringing, a well-educated man. But he hated what these Christians stood for. He hated this message of resurrection. And he despised it and he came against it with all of his power and all of his vested interest. And he went after the Christians. And then one day, one day G, uh, Paul met Jesus, the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. And the revelation of the risen Christ brought a revolution into Paul's life. He would never be the same again. His life was utterly transformed. They changed his name from Saul to Paul. But he was a changed man. Utterly transformed. Simon Ponsonby is a, is a vicar at St. Aldate's Church in Oxford. And uh, he says how he can never forget the time that he ministered at a church in Madrid full of former drug addicts. And the church was filled with hundreds of men, strong, hard, scarred, tattooed, worshipping God for all their worth. And several hundred men who had been formerly criminals and drug addicts and the scum of the earth, as they would have been known, had been saved and healed and restored and delivered by the power of Jesus Christ. And just before Simon was due to get up and speak, the minister of the church leant over to him and he pointed out to him that all of the elders and all of the pastors and all of the worship leaders on the stage were ex-addicts, ex-cons and ex-murderers, sat in church tearfully worshipping the God who had transformed their lives and with them their wives and their mothers crying with joy at the sign of transformed lives of those who have been changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, he writes a letter to a church in Ephesus, modern day Turkey. And in this letter, he says, I'm praying for you because I want you to know something. I want you to know the immeasurable greatness of the power of God in your life. And I'm telling you, Paul says, that it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. The power 
of the resurrection is the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is the power to transform a life, to transform your life, to heal you, to set you free, to set you free from your sin and wrongdoing, to give you the hope of eternal life, to take away the fear of death. Paul writes of the immeasurable greatness, immeasurable, you can't measure it, the greatness of the power of God towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. This is not just theoretical, that God is powerful and that God is Lord and that Jesus is the Son of God. But what Paul says is that the same power that raised Christ from the dead can raise you up also, can transform you also. You may feel today that you are irredeemable. You may feel that your life situation is uncontrollable. In your suffering and your pain, you may feel inconsolable. But the Bible tells you, and the resurrection shows you, that God's power is immeasurable. It's unstoppable. And it's available to anyone who believes and puts their trust in Jesus Christ. Imagine a man who's capsized his boat out at sea. I went out on my kayak this week and the waves were choppy and I nearly capsized. It was quite hairy. But imagine a man who's capsized his boat and he's floundering in very deep and very choppy waters. His strength is ebbing away and the sea is enveloping him. He feels he is drowning. And then he hears the chop, chop, chop of a helicopter overhead. And to his overwhelming and enormous relief, he sees a rescuer being lowered down on a winch. He's never seen such a sweet sight. The rescuer dips down into the raging waters with the man. And he pulls the man towards him and he places a ring around him. And then the two men are plucked up out of the water and they're raised up. The essence of the Christian message is that Jesus came down to earth. He entered into our sinful world and he saved us. He rescued us. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death on a cross. Even death to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him and lifted him up to the highest place. But what the Bible tells me and us is not only that Jesus was lowered and not only that he was raised again, but that we can be raised with him, that we can be raised with Christ. Of Jesus, Peter says, death could not hold him. Paul says, death has been swallowed up in victory. The angel says, he is not here, he has risen. And Jesus says, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. By living and dying and rising again as a sinless sacrifice, Jesus died and rose again so that we could be set free from the tyranny of sin and death. And out of the sea of death, and out of the ocean of sin, we can be raised with Christ, our Savior. You can be raised with Christ today, yet God raised Jesus to life. God's spirit now lives in you and he will raise you to life 
by his spirit. God wants to raise you up also, to lift you up out of the waters, to raise you up with Jesus Christ. He wants to change and transform your life. John Stott was um, an Anglican vicar and theologian, a leader in the Christian church for many years. And he writes that as a young boy, he accepted fully that Jesus had died for the sins of mankind, could understand that concept. He was raised listening to messages about that truth. But he said, I did not realize for so many years that I had to respond to this sacrifice in a personal way. I had to appropriate it. I had to take hold of it. I had to climb into the ring. I had to take hold of Christ for me personally. I had to accept his sacrifice and his offer of salvation. And if the rescue ring is hanging there for you today, you have to take a hold of it. You have to climb into it. You have to cling to Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that is my question today. Do you believe this? Do you believe that the power of God is demonstrated through the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And that power to transform life, as it has done so many lives, is available to transform your life and mine today. The promise and the premise of Scripture is if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, if you today will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, is the promise of God. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. The resurrection shows us the ultimate power of God. It shows us that Jesus is the Son of God. It shows us that he is Lord. It shows us that God has defeated through him sin and death and Satan. And it also tells us that the same immeasurable power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you today by the power of the Holy Spirit. But like John Stott, it is not enough just to know about it. You have to take a hold of it. You have to take a hold of the rescue ring. You have to put your lot in with Jesus. You have to let him take control of your life. You have to let him save you. You have to turn to him. The Bible says you have to repent and change direction in your life and put your faith and belief in Jesus Christ. As I said, you may feel today that you are irredeemable. You may feel your life situation is uncontrollable. You may feel in many ways inconsolable. But the Bible tells you and the resurrection shows you that God's power is immeasurable. It is unstoppable and it is available to you today. And I'm going to pray now. And I'm going to pray that that immeasurable power that raised Christ from the dead will touch you also today. And that if you want to be rescued by Christ and be raised up with him also and know the hope of the resurrection and the truth of eternal life, that you can experience that today for the very first time. And if you're here as a Christ following your floundering today, you also can know that same power that raised Christ from the dead touching you also. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Why don't you put your hand on your heart? 
And as I pray, I'm just going to ask God to come and to move and to touch and to heal and to restore and to set free, to give saving faith, the power of the Holy Spirit to be present amongst us today. I'm praying for that power to be released amongst us, the reality of it, the efficacy of it, the imminence of it, that it would touch you and change your life. And Lord, no matter how we feel today, whether we feel that we are beyond redemption, too far gone, floundering in our own waves, our own mess, we pray, Lord, that as you came down, that you would raise us up also with Christ. We pray, Lord, we want to be in with you. We want to put our lot in with Jesus. We want to be followers of Jesus Christ, the risen Christ. So I pray now for the power of God, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead to raise us also. I pray for the forgiveness of sins. I pray, Lord, for the overcoming of death and the fear of death. And I pray for new resurrection life, that there may be those here today or those within earshot of this message that can say on Easter Sunday in 2023, I became a Christian. I gave my life to Christ. I was raised from death to life and I made a new start. All things are made new. You know, today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't wait till tomorrow. You never know what tomorrow will bring. Put your lot in with Christ today. Repent and be saved. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Confess it with your mouth and you shall be saved. Come Holy Spirit, I pray, and move now by your power, a saving power of Christ. Touch our hearts, Lord. Cause new life to flow into us. Consolation, comfort, the power of life over death. And as we sing these great victorious songs today, we say, where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where is your victory? We thank you, Lord, that you rose again. You are alive and seated at the right hand of the Father, and you will raise us up also. And we bless and thank your name. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.